What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Hope you're having a fantastic day. We've got an absolutely loaded pod coming your way. I've got Eddie Garrison coming on to talk NBA playoffs and, of course, the NFL draft. As I said, it's an absolutely loaded podcast. Cannot wait for you to hear it. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. The NFL draft was last week. Did, did a whole pod on it. My mock was not very accurate, but I got I got one thing right. Eddie Garrison. What'd you get? Anthony Richardson, fourth overall hey, to the Colts. There we go. That's the only pick matters, that mattered. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start there. Let's start with the Colts because I think that is them taking him fourth overall is the biggest story of the draft outside of the Texans pulling off picking number two and number three. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Richardson. What do you think of the pick? I know you had them taking Stroud, but the Texans obviously ruined that. Yeah. Uh, Stroud was a pipe dream. Like, if you asked me realistically, who do you want the Colts to draft or who do you think they would draft, I, w- I would say Anthony Richardson. Because when you look at how the Philadelphia system worked last year with Jalen Hurts, everything that Anthony Richardson can be and could be fits what Jalen Hurts did. Yeah, And I think last year really opened the eyes of Shane Steichen. You know, you start with Phillip Rivers, then you go to Justin Herbert, and then you go to Jalen Hurts, and then you realize during the course of those three quarterbacks that having a mobile quarterback adds another element to the offense that it makes that much more challenging for defenses. And I think that's what they were going with with Anthony Richardson. And plus, I mean, you're in the AFC You've got Josh Allen, you have Joe Burrow, you have Patrick Mahomes, you, you have Lamar have Jackson, you have Aaron Rodgers, you, and the list goes on. Of No really, two in there? What'd you say? <laughs> said you didn't want to put two on that list? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> not at the moment. But, like, like just that makes my point. Like, yeah. there's a bunch of really good quarterbacks in the AFC. And if you go with Will Levis in that situation, I don't think the upside of the team or the window for the team is as long yeah. as you can have it with Anthony Richardson because of his big playability, not with just his legs, but with his arm as well. He's got so a cannon, man. I know the 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 intangibles, the arm. It just he's just he's a physical specimen. Like there's no other way to describe him. And but I think just as a whole, this Colts draft, I I really liked it. Brents out of Kansas State, I thought was a great pick because they they need a corner. Uh-huh. Uh, grab and rush in the fifth round as well. Both big long athletic corners which is pretty on par for Ballard he tends to draft bigger athletes really outside of Downs the guy the wide receiver out of North Carolina who fell every athlete on this list is huge they all test really high in the RAS or RAS or however you want to pronounce it because that's what Ballard goes for that's that's been his MO since he took over the the general manager position for the Indianapolis Colts I want to draft guys on traits because you can only make certain so many mistakes with you know if you have elite traits and plus those are uncoachable things that you just can't you yeah. know max out in some players so if you get a lot of guys that have really good traits that you think your coaching staff can develop i think that's what leads to this narrative or this picture around uh chris ballard that he's a really good general manager and a really good talent evaluator yeah because he gets so many guys that have so many good traits then they end up hopefully panning out or developing they had 12 picks in this draft it's the most in franchise history uh i think they addressed every need they needed to and i think it was the first time chris ballard has really put an emphasis 
on the primary or on the main positions that yeah. you think of when you talk about the NFL. Quarterback, wide receiver, cornerback, Corner. and tackle. Edge and tackle, exactly. So glad that they drafted mo- mo- multiple tackles. <laughs> makes that's the best thing for yeah. me. I like the pickup of or the drafting of Blake Freeland. I know it's a fourth round pick, and you All never American twice out of BYU. Yeah, durable started mm-hmm. twenty six consecutive games at left tackle. Has experience at right yeah. tackle. So day that three, a little depth for him. I really liked day three because look for me, days one and two. You grab your starters slash your superstars in the first round. Yeah. Day three, you want depth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they added a lot of depth, which this which the Colts desperately need. Um, my favorite pick, though, from day three, Will Mallory out of Miami. Really? I am so excited. So, you know, my beloved Miami Dolphins yeah. needed a tight end. Yeah. And, man, I'm writing all my mocks over at, at, at Finn Fanatic and – I was like, I'm pounding the table. I was like, please draft Will Mallory. Yeah, the fastest time out of all the tight ends, right? He's huge. He's fast. He can't block. But who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the Colts needed. They needed an inline blocking tight end, and they, yeah. that's not Will Mallory. It's not. And I think when you're looking at the Colts, the Will Mallory selection to me speaks more competition for Kylan Granson than it does yeah. Jelani Woods or. Mo Ali Cox or Drew Ogletree or any of the other so tight, many ends. tight ends. Yeah, they're, they've, got to, they've got to move at least one of them. You, that's I, what you would think, right? I don't. Well, nobody's going to be able. Nobody's going to want to trade for any of their tight ends. I mean, there's no value in any of them. Um. So I mean, you're going to either have four on the roster and one on the practice, or no, you do just do four on the roster. You wouldn't do any on the practice squad if you went that route. Or you do three on the active roster and one on the practice squad. Yeah, I was talking about this with Kevin and I. were talking about this yesterday uh, on Kevin's Corner. Download wherever you get your podcasts. Um, nice. <laughs> we were talking about the tight end position and like you're going to have to figure out what you want to do because yeah, the, you could put Drew Ogletree probably on the practice squad because he you know he's coming off the injury. I don't think a lot of teams really know what his talent is or how good he can be. So, I mean, you stick him on the practice squad. Hopefully nobody comes in and is like, hey, we want this guy. And then next thing you know, he's off your practice squad. But, yeah, it's a loaded tight end room right now. There's so many. I mean, it's – and they all do, I feel like, really similar things. Because like you said, you know, you've got six tight ends, five tight ends, six. six. And you still need a blocking tight end? Mm -hmm. Like that's – an issue, to say the least. Yeah. Anybody else, you know, that any other draft pick from the Colts that you really, really liked? Uh, I'm going to try and say his name. Adi Tamiwa Adibore. Yes. I'm glad you brought him up. I think that was, I think he was a steal in the fourth round. I thought yep. he would sneak into, the, like, the very tail end of the first and certainly not slip out of the second level in the third round. You don't, yeah. You just don't see guys with his production in college mixed with the traits that he has fall to day three at such a primary position on the edge. So I like him for a depth piece for them right now. If he can develop into a consistent, I wouldn't, he's more interior than he is on the outside. I think he's more of a depth piece and insurance. Hopefully if you can't come to an agreement on a contract extension uh, with Grover Stewart, because this is the last year of his contract, yeah. then maybe you look at him as a possible replacement, but I don't know if he fits the Grover Stewart role or if he's more of a three technique behind Buckner. So okay. it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. For sure. For sure. Let's move on to some other teams. What other drafts or drafts, plural, did you like? I thought 
I don't think they're going to get enough credit for what they did. I thought Cincinnati had a sneaky good draft. Like, you get Miles Murphy off the edge. You have Trey Hendrickson entering a contract year, I think. It's either him or Sam Hubbard, one of the two. One of them is entering a contract year, so you're hopeful that, you know, you can get some more edge production yeah. out of Miles Murphy if you have to rotate or one of those two goes down or you don't come to an agreement. Uh, I like DJ Turner in the second round for them. They lost a Battle lot. Battle in the third round as well. I was about yeah. to say, the additions yeah. to, to the secondary I thought were great. Yes, they they lost, um, oh, what's his name? The safety. Uh, he went to Atlanta. I know who you're talking about. Oh, I, I, I can find the name. It's escaping me. Oh. My girlfriend is a huge Bengals fan, so I Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates. They lose Jesse Bates. You replace him with Jordan Battle. Uh, I can't remember the corner that they lost. Uh, they lost one of their starting corners. Von Bell left, too. Von Bell, that's the corner I was thinking of. Yep. So you replace him with DJ Turner, who is freaky fast. And, like, that's oh, what yeah. you need in, in the yes, AFC. Oh, yes. Miami. You, and they draft A-Chain out of Texas A&M. Dude, the, we're going to talk about them here in a minute because yeah. I just – so I mean they're they're easily the fastest team. I mean, nowadays all these wide receivers coming out of college are freaky fast. So yeah. you need the fast athletic corners, and I think they did that with DJ Turner and then Jordan Battle, like you mentioned. And then I like the pick up of Charlie Jones in the fourth round. That yeah. wide receiver room's already loaded, and one of those two between T. Higgins and one Tyler Boyd gonna, will, will not be there after this year. That's exactly right. It's probably going to be Higgins. Higgins is going to go somewhere, be, be number one, and get paid. Uh, I would hopefully Indianapolis, but uh, I was about to say <laughs> I love T Higgins. I've loved him since he came out of college. I knew the Colts were really high on him. Uh, they they had the name almost on the card essentially in that 2020 draft before Cincinnati got him right before Jeez. them, and then they ended up with Michael Pittman. And then the the pick out of their uh, overall selection for the Bengals, Chase Brown, to me, I think has a chance. To really steal some carries out of Joe Mixon because they need a complimentary running back to Mixon. That way he can stay fresh during the entirety of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you don't know what's going on with him legally right now either, Joe Mixon speaking. Who knows? Maybe they view Chase Brown in the light of, hey, this guy could potentially be a day one starter. I mean, the the, the production at Illinois, absolutely insane. Oh, Everyone yeah. knows he's getting the football. And he and he averaged almost 100 yards per game. Or he did over average over 100 yards per game. Yeah, well, look, if you play football at Illinois under Brett, you're you're gonna you're gonna run the football a lot. Oh Co- yeah, Coach Bielema, man, he just glad he's he, he's he's not coaching the Razorbacks anymore. What about you? Who do you think got a good draft? I think Philly had the best draft. I don't know how you say that they didn't have the best draft. I know. I was just trying to avoid them because that was just like that was the easy answer. I yeah, I mean, look, low they get fruit. They get. I mean, it's just like they're like playing I Madden. It's unfair. It's ridiculous. They get arguably the best prospect in the draft at number nine in Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. Then they get Nolan Smith, who was mocked in multiple top tens, including mine. They get him at thirty. Then they just, I mean, and then they give they they draft Ringo, a awesome corner out, out of Georgia. His his arms are a little short. That's why I he fell. I think. Well, I think he's going to be more safety than corner. I think that's when you why. look at his traits, it would make sense. But still, I, I saw a stat the other day. Um, on the so the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2021 College Football National Championship game recorded 22 tackles, like an interception, a touchdown. They've just they've taken all these guys from that awesome defense, and it's transferred. Um, Tyler Steen tackle out of Alabama, like that's a really good pickup as well. Uh, I like uh, the the Sydney Brown guy out, out of Illinois. I mean, it's I just they just uh, you can't forget about DeAndre Swift. Yeah, the Swift trade I thought was really good. I mean. It's just speaking of Swift. What did the Lions do? 
Let me actually hold up. Let me slow down. Day one was awful. Day one was terrible. Yeah. I thought days two and three were much better, though, for, for the Lions. I thought day two was still okay. Like, they took Sam Laporta over Michael Mayer. Yeah, I don't. I didn't like that one either. That's fair. I'm like, I get that he can be like, you're hoping he turned into like a George Kittle. Yeah. Or Brian Branch um, is good though. Safety at yeah, safety like, at Alabama. I think Branch is okay. And then you draft Hendon Hooker. Like, I, I didn't don't know. Get this. Like, I didn't get their draft like at all. Like, so people. I was higher on Jameer Gibbs than most. Like I thought he'd be around the twenties. I didn't think he'd go twelve. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't like, think he did they either. They could have traded back again. That's what they should have done. If, like, if, if that's the guy that you wanted, yeah. And then the hooker pick, he's going to be twenty six by the time he's able to actually take a snap in the NFL. Jerry Goff's twenty eight right now. <laughs> I I don't understand that. I don't understand that pick. I don't. I didn't understand the Jack Campbell pick so early either. Like they could have waited to get him. They could have got him in the second round. They could have. I know. It's just. I'm I'm with you, man. And you don't address edge either. That didn't make any sense to me. They didn't address the edge position. It's just you know the the front the defensive line was their main area of need. Like they didn't have any sack production last year. And you're hoping that Hutchinson can develop into that guy. I guess, but like then you start throwing double teams at him, and then he's pretty much neutralized. So then you got to get somebody else. I know. It's just I don't know, man. I don't know. They we'll had the see. chance to hit a home run, and they they were set up. They struck to out. be so good. Like, well, I guess we can sit here as you know, we're not. We don't. We don't yeah. know. My favorite thing. Anything, so. My favorite thing is the Seahawks the year that they drafted uh, Wilson. Mm-hmm. All these people ripped their draft because they drafted Wagner and mm-hmm. uh, was it Bruce Irvin? Yes. Yeah. And people just ripped them to shreds, and then you know, three years later, or whatever, they they won a Super Bowl. So. That being said, uh, the Detroit Lions, your your twenty twenty six Super Bowl champions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Goff can take him there though. It, it's not going to be Goff. It's it's, it's going to be Hooker. I, like, why else do you draft him there? I guess that's true. I mean, Goff's a free agent after this year, right? I believe so. Yes. So maybe that's the thinking here is like, you get Hooker to sit a year, you learn the NFL, learn the offense. Well, he has to sit. He's got a torn ACL. Well, he's he was cleared. Is he really? He was cleared to throw. Like he, po- the day of the draft, he strategically posted a video of him doing, of like actual quarterback work, like play action pass and rolling out and throwing the football on the run. Like he strategically put it out on day one of the draft, <laughs> and it didn't affect his stock. It did not. Okay, before we get to the Dolphins, Will Levis goes to Tennessee. Yes. What do you think, AFC South foe? For your Colts. A perfect replacement for Ryan Tannehill. I agree. Replace him with Ryan Tannehill of the future. A more athletic version of Ryan Tannehill. Replace him with Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> He's not going to be... He, sure, he may have more... He may be better athletically than Tannehill, but the, the production that you'll probably get from Will Levis in Tennessee is very, very similar. If yeah. you can somehow uh, coach him into being able to feel pressure and have an understanding of when he needs to get the football out of his hand. That's the thing. That clock. And it's so hard to coach that. It was, I, I produced the midday show regularly on the fan, uh, here in Indy. And we, uh, I forget who the guest was, but he said, uh, Will Levis sometimes doesn't feel the pressure until he's on the ground. (laughs) That's fair. His eyes are looking up at the sky. I'm like, I was like, I don't know how you can be a successful NFL quarterback. If you, 
have no sense of like pressure. Like yeah. we've talked about this before. That's, when, I don't we, think we did all the pre-draft coach. stuff. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing, like Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. I don't think that there's a better situation for him to fall into. He's going to be able to sit for a year. Whenever he does start to play, he's going to have a good defense because it's Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans will always have a good defense as long as he's coaching there and you know that they're going to run the football. And so it's not like, I don't know, let me yeah, think. Yeah, but like you look at Derrick Henry and he's getting up there. Like, yeah. you, the, I mean, the tread on the tires is wearing down. You would think. Then again, being 6'4", 250 pounds helps. I know, but still, but yeah, it's you're right. still a lot of hits that he's taken and it a is. lot of hits that he's given out. Like He's gotten hurt these past couple of years. I know. And, and last year, I thought he lost a step. Like, he looked just like a half second slower than he typically did. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't know. You can't bank on him, like, being there forever. You can't. And yeah, that's fair. They, they don't – I mean, I like the draft of Skaronsky. They needed some help on that offensive line. I love that. I He's a can't-miss guy. He, he he may not play tackle. Yeah. He may They may have to move him inside to play guard. But either way, like, anytime you draft an offensive lineman that you feel like is going to play in the league for 10 to 12 years, that's a good pick. Yeah, and, like, you get rid of Bobby Trees, and uh, they got rid of another receiver, didn't they? Uh, uh Woods. Yeah, that's Bobby Trees. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know who that is. But, like, your leading oh, receiver last sense. year was your tight end in Okoronkwo. Yeah, and yeah. then, yeah, you have Traylon Burks. But outside of that, who the hell are you throwing the football to? Like, I know. You didn't sign anybody. I, I They didn't. You dropped right. a guy in, like, the sixth round out of yeah. UT Martin. I don't get it. Not a UT Martin fan? Well, I just don't know anything. <laughs> like... I don't Number know much one party guy, school in the country. You mean you mean you don't want to drive football players from out of there? No, <laughs> not new. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, Miami. I I wanted to be upset because whenever I looked at all the positions that were drafted, yep, the only position was was Ryan Hayes tackle out of Michigan in the seventh round, where I was like, good, we needed another offensive tackle. There's the idea that they're going to turn Elijah Higgins into a tight end. I think that's really hard to do, especially from a blocking standpoint. And in Mike McDaniel's offense, you need tight ends who can block on the edge. So we'll see if that happens. Who was the other tight end next to uh, Gesicki? Uh, it is... It was the Durham Smythe. Smythe, yes. Thank you. I could see his face. But yeah, he's and he's okay, I guess. Um, I, like, I think it's easy to turn wide receivers into tight ends as on the pass catching side of things. I agree. Like, yeah. I mean he's six three, two thirty five. So he's I mean big. he's got the size and he's already got you know, he's got the traits that he could switch over to tight end, but I'm I'm with you. Like in terms of him being a pass catcher, like fine. But you so he's gonna be able to get in there and block defensive ends? Yeah. Effectively? The answer is no. Like you might as well have kept Mike Gasicki. I'm so a little bitter about that. God, I love him. And now he's in New England. He's I gonna, forgot he went there. And he's going to tear us up next year because that's just how it always goes. You know, I've, I totally spaced that Gasicki wasn't there. I know. I, I that's, was, that's why we needed a tight end. And meanwhile, Darnell Washington is sitting there in the second round. Oh, there was some medical. There problem. was. There's, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but yeah, that's why he fell. It is why he fell, which is, and then, of course, you know, Pittsburgh grabs him. Jeez. As, anyway. if they didn't, as if they didn't already have... Uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, E. No, it's not Ebron. What's his name? Mm-mm. Um, I see his face. It's like it, Keith Miller. 
Yeah, he's been he's been retired. He's been gone. I know, but he's very similar skill set. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so they, they, they pass on a tight end and they take Cam Smith. Pat Mr. Frymuth. You say who? Pat Frymuth. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. They take Cam Smith. AKA Mr. Just Drop Your Nuts. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that clip. It's no. so great. When they beat Tennessee. Somebody asked him in a press conference, they're like, like, what adjustments like were made in the huddle before, you know, all this stuff happened? He goes, No adjustments, you just gotta drop your nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is great. So, but he I I really like that pick because he's, you know, six one, really good athletes, got he has a lot of speed. He's a guy from South Carolina who played all over the place. He lined up outside, he lined up in the slot, he played some safety. And having guys like that Especially when you look at Miami, there's a lack of depth on the back end. Like I know people see, you know, um, X and uh, Jalen Ramsey mm-hmm. and uh, Javon Holland, like high end, high end guys in your secondary. But like behind that, we saw the lack of depth last year when all those guys got hurt. Yep. And so having a guy like Cam Smith who can fill multiple spots in terms of depth is really really nice. Um, Noah Igbonahi, really hope I said that right. Hasn't really panned I it was out. Like Igbaha- Bahani or something maybe like that. it's like that I, I don't know you would know better than I he he hasn't really panned out like he's like they didn't pick up the, the extension on his his fifth year for next year so we'll see I I, I really like that pick and then you get Devon a chain four three two forty just there's so much speed yeah on this offense and what's gonna be really interesting I just I don't know I'm interested to see how they use him because he's gonna play on a lot of third downs he's a guy who can Catch the ball, catch the ball out of the backfield, and he, there. What you would think happens is that the safeties and the corners and the linebackers get pushed so deep yeah. that he's able to have a lot of space underneath to make plays after the catch. That's what you would think happens. That's hopefully what happens, but we'll see. When I uh, think like he'll start out as the guy that you know returns kicks and returns punts, and then once he gets up to speed on that zone running offense with. Uh, Mostert there and is uh Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, I was about to say if Wilson is Wilson still there. Yeah. They extended both of them and then they, they re signed all four of their running backs and then turned around and, and, and drafted Ahmed. another one. Ahmed got re signed, Gaskin got re signed, so they're gonna release one of them. That's what I would I think. I would expect Gaskin to go, right? That's what I'm expecting. Ahmed plays special teams, doesn't he? He does. He does. So we'll see. I always uh, think of Jeff Dunham and Ahmed the dead terrorist whenever I see I, him. same. Same. That's a cheese. That's a great comic. Is he is or yeah, comic. comedian. Comedian, thank you. Ventriloquist? Yes, ventriloquist. That's the word. That's and what I was looking for. I want to mention this other team briefly. I thought Pittsburgh had a good draft too. They did. Uh they got an offensive tackle on a on a possession a position they needed help in. I thought Joey Porter Jr. in the second round was an absolute steal. Yep. Uh, of course, Easily could have been a first round guy. Yeah. And then I thought them getting Benton? Darnell Washington and Corey Trice, I think were good. Oh, you like the Corey Trice pick? I I think Corey Trice is good. I like Benton out of Wisconsin. Big guy in the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're yeah, they had a really good draft. And then la- last team, you said you liked the Patriots draft. I did. You were the first person you said that off the air, but I thought I said it at the start too. Did you Maybe. may have? No, I didn't. Anyway, you you're the first person I've heard say that. Yep. Why? Just tell. Tell the people why. I think when you look at it, you get Christian Gonzalez at 17, and, you know, he's a guy that could have easily, that should have gone in the top 10. So, A, you've got a blank ton of value there with that pick. I think Keon White 
is somebody that they'll like, and I think he's somebody that can learn uh, behind. Oh, what is his name? It, oh, he just led the NFL in sacks. I can't remember. He played at Baltimore. Now he's at New England. I can't remember, but I think he'll, he can learn from him and then fill in on the other side and bring some uh, some edge rush presence on the end. I think Marte Mapu is an absolute dog. Like okay. this guy, I, he went to Sacramento State. He reminds me a lot of Shaq Leonard. Okay. Very quick, rangy. He can make big plays. He had a lot of production at Sacramento State. I think that was a really good pick, and I think that was somebody Chris Ballard had targeted because after that pick went, I think they traded back again. Uh, so that's my speculation on that front because they ended up not drafting a linebacker at all in the draft. Not that that was a little alarming considering yeah. the Shaq Litter news, but and that I think well, – Isn't Matt, isn't Matt going to play safety? No. He's inside linebacker. The website I've got pulled up, they've got him listed as a safety. No, he's – He's an inside linebacker, and uh, he's really good against. He's really good against run because right. of, uh, run defense because of how fast he is, and he's able to get his nose in there and make tackles. He doesn't. He doesn't miss too many too much of the time when he does go in there to make tackles. And then I thought at the very end of this, Keyshawn Booty. I will say, Booty. I know. I say Booty. Oh, okay. Okay. I say Booty. I just, I know you and, until he deserves the right of Booty, he <laughs> is Booty. That is a great pick. I the, he, that's a first round talent. Yes, that didn't have the production because he did not mesh well with Brian Kelly at LSU. Yep, he was great last year. He was awesome last year at LSU. Uh, or I, I guess thought, two yeah. years ago before Kelly showed up. Yes, and then big um, physical can go up and make mm-hmm. contested really catches. He's really good with the ball in his hands. Like he, he is. He make guys miss in space. I thought that was a really good late round pick for them. Uh, they got some offensive line depth with two guards. Um, and then I like Demario Douglas out of Liberty. I think he can be a, a, a nice special teamer for them. And when I mean, you're looking at that late in, in, in the draft nowadays, yeah. you're looking at guys that can contribute on special teams and provide a little depth in that wide receiver room. Um, yeah, he's a 5'8", 179 guy, so he's probably another slot receiver for them. Um, but I don't put anything past New England to not have a bad draft. That's fair. You know, my, my favorite pick is uh, Chad Ryland. The the kicker out of Maryland yeah. in the fourth round. Yeah, jeez, that was sarcastic. I just I know. anytime you take a kicker in any round that is not the sixth or seventh, mm-hmm. I struggle. <laughs> yeah, but I mean they addressed almost every need besides tackle. I mean they got depth along their guards. They got a backup center and got some yeah. wide receivers. Got some defensive pieces. Drafted like, three corners. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, we'll we'll see. As you said, we're not going to know for another. Two or three years oh, yeah. when the Detroit Lions ho- hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Yeah, <laughs> you want to get into Houston briefly? Yes, really quick. What were your thoughts? I love the aggressiveness. Uh, I know I tweeted at you and said that the sole purpose of this was so that the owner could get Shroud because that's who the owner wanted, and the GM wanted Anderson, and so they traded up to get Anderson, which I just think is hilarious. Um, I thought that the the Juice Scruggs selection in round two was good. Tank Dell. <laughs> there were some other receivers on the board who I might have taken ahead of him. But, I mean, the idea of grabbing a receiver, not bad. Uh, getting uh, toe-toe in the fifth round I thought was a great pick. And from there, I mean, yeah, I, I like their draft. I, I appreciate the aggressiveness in a league where, especially on draft day, teams don't seem to be super aggressive. I think Tank Dell is going to be an excellent pro. He was somebody I wanted the Colts to draft. Um, because I think 
he has the ability to be the best receiver out of this group that nobody talks about because of his just how twitchy he is. Like he is insanely fast coming in and out of breaks. He's a really good route runner, really good with the ball in, in space. Uh, and I, so like them getting Tank Dell for CJ Stroud, I think is critical for his development because oh, yeah. he needs somebody over the middle of the field or on those quick bubble screens or on just like the shovel passes now on when you bring a guy in motion from left to right or right to left. Those are so uh, uh, so instilled in almost every playbook now. Um, and my opinion here, they did not trade up for Will Anderson. They traded up for C.J. Stroud. Hmm. I think Will Anderson was the pick for them at two. And then the owner comes into this and he's like, quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And so then you don't put the amount of pressure on C.J. Stroud to develop into a franchise quarterback because you don't trade up for him. You trade up for Will Anderson. That makes sense. That's my. That's just my observation here. Yeah, like, that's they, fair. Because, like, everyone knew they wanted Will. Oh, and then yeah. When you see, I kind of had this thought, like, the odds just started to shift so drastically in the hour leading up to the draft. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, nothing, nothing came out. There was no report of, hey, they really like C.J. Stroud. Usually Vegas knows. They didn't know about oh. Indianapolis because Chris Bowden and company did a terrific job. They did. Everybody screen. thought they were taking Levis. Besides the local people. Locally, everyone thought it was Richardson, but nationally, everyone thought it was Levis, which yeah. was a great job on Ballard's part. But everyone knew they liked Will Anderson. And then you see all these odds shift to Stroud for number two. I'm like, well, this means one of two things here. A, gigantic smoke screen that nobody's talking about. Or somebody went on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. B, somebody went on Reddit. C, there is a trade with Houston up to three to get Anderson, and they don't want to put the pressure on Stroud saying, hey, we drafted Anderson at two, and then we view you as the, court, at the, as the for sure quarterback of the future, and that way we risk our first-round pick of next year, not Cleveland's. Yeah, that's the thing. That's going to potentially be a top-ten pick for next year. I think it'll be top hate five. To miss. It could be top five. Yeah, I mean, look, I Jacksonville's probably going to win the AFC South. What you have no, you have no, uh, none, no faith in CJ Stroud to lead the Texans. No, I don't. <laughs> I just look anytime. Look, if 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 I had to bet today, I would take ja- Jacksonville to win the division. Easy. Yeah, I take the Titans to finish second because they're going to be the only team that doesn't have a rookie playing quarterback, and they've got Mike Vrabel, who's arguably the best coach in the division. Anytime, uh, arguably, Doug Peterson's really good too. I'd say obviously. Peterson. I mean, he's got the ring. He does. That's, that's very true. But you know, Vrabel's also had Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback his entire time in Tennessee. I mean, but anyway, like he hasn't. They haven't tried to. Like I don't know what the status is here. I know he walked out after they traded AJ Brown last year as a draft night. But like outside of that, I mean, the offense is just hor- going to be horrific. Yeah, their offense is going to be so bad. So like I don't know how you can predict predict them to win more than the Colts. Like I just it could well, be a you, battle between two. Do you teams trust that have six Anthony? Wins. Do you trust Anthony Richardson to come in and win games? Because he's going to play Week One. I I know he will, but like I think both these teams are going to be battling with six wins. I, I could see Indianapolis pulling to Miami from a few years ago, where you're expecting them to lose a whole bunch of games, and they start like one and twelve, and then they win their last four. I could see I could see the Colts being better than what everyone thinks because I think there's a lot more talent on that team. That people write off. They have to answer the question first of 
is the offensive line going to be better than it was last year? Yes. Because they didn't address a ton of the offensive line a ton in, in the draft. Uh-huh. They were really banged up last year. Like, like Kelly played all year with a hurt knee, uh-huh. which they should be healthier. That should help. But still, and until I see the offensive line be much better than it was last year, it's hard to have any faith in this. I team. have the undoubted faith that that offensive line will be substantially better than it was last year because they don't have me and you trying <laughs> to create an offensive playbook. That's like, fair. After after Frank Reich got fired, oh yeah, or well, let me rephrase that. After you fire Marcus Brady, yeah, Frank Reich, yeah, then you fire Frank Reich. Who the hell on there knows anything about the offense? The, the, Nobody. The twenty-seven-year-old. Guy who from who coached it, not Marquette. It started with an M. Jeez, the guy I, who ended up calling plays. Parks Frazier, I know, but like, if you watch, go back and watch their games. Receivers were only running to the sticks and in. I know it they was bad. There was You're right. there, there was no like there was no spacing. But the offensive line was bad before Frank Wright got fired. I guess, but like the offense start the line got better as the season went on. That's fair. But, like, a lot of those numbers are so inflated, in my opinion, because you have a quarterback who can't move. Yeah, that, so th- that'll help, I think. There's You can't move the pocket around. They don't. They can't account for his legs because, like, all you have to do is rush straight at him because you know he's not going to run away from you. Yeah, and I think the addition of downs is going to be really big just because just looking at the Colts receivers last year, they didn't have anybody who, was run, who could really run underneath – like, they didn't have a true slot receiver, and that's what this Downs kid's going to be. Yes. So having a guy who can run underneath is going to help. Having Steichen as the head coach is going to help. Having a quarterback that can move is going to help. Mm-hmm. But do you – I just I just don't know if they're going to be good enough early. I think they will be. To finish second in the division. I think they can finish second in the division, and I only say that because they're playing the NFC South. So they're playing Tampa. They're playing Houston. They're, or not Houston. Carolina. They're playing New Orleans. They're playing – New Orleans uh, is going to be good. I think they should be. I think Carolina's going to be all right, too. They could be. I don't know. It's just hard to predict with rookie quarterbacks. Like It is. And that's that's why I've got the Texans and the Colts f- yeah. f- finishing at the bottom. Because I at least know what I have in Tennessee and obviously in, the, in Jacksonville. It, and on the Colts side of things, I think that defense is a lot better than what was displayed last year. They were just worn out. Yeah, they had to. They were on the field for thirty-five plus minutes every game. Usually, it was closer to forty. Yeah, and you're just you're not going to win games like that. No, you're not. It's like, and the defense goes out and like, oh, Leonard, Leonard missed time. I mean, it was he missed basically the whole year. He played what three games last year? Maybe. And Two. And, and in those games, he played maybe forty percent of the snaps. He really shouldn't have played at all. He shouldn't have. Yeah, he said that. Ah, uh, I mean, jeez. All right, anything else before we wrap up and we take a short break and, and move into the, the playoffs? No, sir. All right. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt, moving on to the NBA playoffs. Eddie Garrison staying with us. Let's start with the Miami Heatles. They're not really the Heatles anymore, but they might as well be. They go into New York and take game one, despite Jimmy Butler getting hurt. I just, I don't understand. I don't get it. You don't, you don't get Miami. Like I get Miami. I not, not really. No, because outside of Butler, they don't have anybody else who's consistent on offense. That's just that's what it feels like. And when you look back at the Buck series, Jimmy Butler was good in every game, and then they have some random guys showed up and played well. Yeah, it was Caleb Martin, 
uh, in the game where, where Butler goes for 56. In one game, it was Gabe Vincent. Struess hit multiple big threes in that series. And in game one against New York, it's Vincent who goes for 20. I mean, I just, it's frustrating. I thought Caleb Martin was the key piece for them in that Milwaukee series in general. Mm-hmm. 12 or more points in four of the five games. Yeah. Uh, that last game was the only game he didn't. He only had two shots and scored twice. But he's such an interesting piece for them because you don't. He doesn't get enough credit for what he does because he's a physical defender. Oh yes, he can rebound. They all he, are. He'll bring the ball off the court occasionally. You can do a variety of different things with him. Um, and I mean, they get eighteen six and five from Kyle Lowry, who I I can't stand by the way. <laughs> Uh, and then, I mean, Bam has just not been... Kevin Love played really well. The the three big uh, over-the-head full-court passes yeah. were huge. Yeah, I mean, and like, Bam hasn't... He's hasn't, hasn't been, been part, a factor at all. He hasn't been part of the offense. No. And, look, in game two... And you're I, talking about a guy who averaged 20 a game for them in the regular season. I know. He's going to have to be a bigger part of the offense in game two. Just because, look, if I'm Miami, I'm putting Jimmy Butler on a plane... I'm flying him home to Miami, and we're going to make sure his ankle's ready for Game Three. I just that's the that's only what logical thing about Game Five against Milwaukee. Like, just mail it in, get you know, just coast it. No, they went out one won the damn game. I know. I just well, that's different because none of their guys are really hurt. Whereas, look, let's be honest, they're not beating the Knicks if Jimmy Butler isn't playing, right? I don't think so. I don't either. But then again, I didn't think they had a chance in hell against the Bucks. I mean, when you look at this series, like your best bet is the under every game, just like in oh yeah, just like in uh oh what was it? It's Tibbs and and New Eric Spolstra, uh, yeah, just like in Cleveland, New York, the under, I think hit in all but one game. Jeez, and, and like, and that was the final game of the series. Yeah, it was game five, uh, because like both these teams, they want to play slow, they want to play physical, and they want to just grind it out. And, and they want to get two feet in the paint on every possession. And and, it's it's yeah. a it's going to be a physical series. Yes, and whichever team comes out of this series with the win, I don't know how they have any life left for the conference finals. Yeah, I don't either. And they're like, both going to be outmatched in terms of talent, whether it's Philly or Boston. Yes, and like Philly can play bully ball with Embiid. Yes, they can. But without Embiid, I don't know if they can play bully ball. Boston, not so much. They have a lot of wings and a lot of guards. But They do. And you would think that those wings and those guards would, would lead to wins, especially with how good they all are. Yes. But when like when you look at Miami, it's like Jimmy Butler, and then you have to get something from somebody. You had Duncan Robinson showing up out of freaking nowhere Yep. In, in Milwaukee series, and then like – Game Vincent got it going in Game Five, and that confidence and that aggressiveness carried over into Game One against the Knicks. But tonight's game should be interesting because, like, you've got Brunson dealing with an ankle injury, you've got Randall dealing with an ankle injury, and you've got Butler dealing with an ankle injury. Yeah, who's stepping up for who? Because somebody, Miami especially, they're going to need somebody. It's, it's got to be Bam. It, it has to be. I'm. But can you can I'm, you play through a center? Who's going up against one of the best interior defenders in Mitchell Robinson? Well, that's the thing. I don't think that they would attack him from the low block. Bam, he's got that really good free throw line game where when he catches it at the free throw line, he can create from there. He can hit that, you know, 15 foot jump shot. I mean, look, he's 
super athletic as well, so he can go by guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they ran their offense, especially if Jimmy Butler didn't play, kind of through the high post with Bam grabbing the ball somewhere around the free throw line. That'd be your best bet, right? It's got to be. That's I think that's your only bet. I don't know who else. I mean, unless you want to see if Kyle Lowry can go get 30 like he did in the play-in game. Uh-huh. Or Max Struess. Like, you got to get him going. Like, he's the only guy who hasn't yeah. really had a big game yet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, without a doubt. So let's let's move on to the other series in the East. So look, I I don't like James Harden. And then he he went for forty he went forty five last night. I know. I just I was like, whoa, this is this is Houston Harden. Like. The Celtics shot sixty percent from the field and lost. Look at the the uh, disparity in threes. It is. That's seventeen that was, to what, twelve? Ten. Yeah. It, but I mean, they, points. that's the difference. And here's the thing, though. I thought Charles Barkley said something really interesting after the game. Boston only committed ten fouls. He was like, "You, you have to." He's like, "If you only commit ten fouls in a playoff game, you aren't playing defense." That's what he said. And I think it's a really good point. Like they weren't very physical, and Boston should be so good defensively between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, especially against the 76ers, without Embiid. Because you know they're going to run it through Maxi and Harden, uh-huh. and you've got two of who are supposed to be the better wing defenders in the league, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and they just didn't play defense. I think Jalen Brown's a little overrated. Really? Yes. I love his game. I think he's he's a great number two. He's a great number three. You think he's a three? Yes. He was getting cooked last night by Harden. Yeah, I know. And then he got cooked by who? Do you, who? Who was it in the first series that got him? Um, against. Jeez, who did they even play in the first series? Somebody oh, the hit Hawks. The, like, um, yeah, they, yeah, you put you put him on Trey Young, and like he gives Trey Young all this space, and then boom, step back three game winner. He We're hit it from thirty five feet. I don't care. Like I'm still, I don't care. I'm still playing up in his face. You got. I'm not letting him line. get anything. Like there was no screen coming. Yeah, nobody was there to screen, and they were doing box and one. So you had help in case he went to the floater. All yeah. you have to do at that point is hope that Robert Williams comes out. And challenges and makes it a harder shot floater than it's going to be, or Jason Tatum, and then you have to rebound. That's all you got to do. Yeah. But no, he leaves them all this space. Step back three, boom. And when you, like, I understand you, you want to give a guy a step back three, like, because that's a less a, a high percentage of a shot from thirty three, like thirty five feet away. The yeah, the, the shot like, was ridiculous. I agree, but like the way he was shooting all night, like, yeah, you had and he's been so clutch in his career in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, like that, like. I just don't understand how you give him space. And then last night, he make he lets James Harden look like it was vintage James Harden. It I know, was, it was like, Houston Rockets James Harden. And like he doesn't work, he, he tries so hard to work over the top of screens that he goes too far every single time. And if you watch it, the the crossover dribble to the right, if it's a screen that way, or the crossover dribble to the left, it's always there, and he gets around. I think he is one of the more overrated players in the league. Wow. That's a or association because like and you, like and watch him on fast breaks too. Watch him on three on ones and two on ones. If he has the ball, he doesn't pass. He is always attacking the rim with somebody in his face. Marcus Smart wide open on the wing, forget about it. Derek wide open on the wing, forget about it. I am going to the basket. I am not passing the damn rock. He is super selfish. If you ever you. Watch next game and you'll see it too. Like the dude took, just puts his head down and it's always and he doesn't 
facilitate and he doesn't play make. And it goes back to last year with Marcus Smart. And I know I'm on a really good rant, I, I think, here with this. But, like, if you go back to last year with Marcus Smart and how he called out Tatum and he called out Brown for being selfish basketball players and not passing the ball. That is the biggest problem with Boston is that Jalen Brown thinks he is like a mix between Steph Curry and Clay Thompson when he's not. Okay, I, I've got, I've got one stat to throw you away about okay. last night. Jalen Brown only took ten shots last night. I know in, in forty-two minutes, and I can guarantee you that that won't happen again. Ten, three of those ten were on fast break opportunities where there was a two-on-one or a three-on-one. And he took it to the hole and missed. He he shot eighty percent from the floor. Then again, last night was crazy. My, so my, my those, thing is two of those misses were on fast break. My thing with Boston is like the offense is fine. Like their offense is fine. I don't mind their offense. It's the lack of effort on defense because we saw the same thing in in the Hawks series. Like they they go on these long stretches, very similar to last year. Where they're just like, we're not going to play defense for the next five minutes because we feel like we're more talented than whoever we're playing against. Yeah. And look, they were more talented last night, but it doesn't matter when you allow the other team to shoot forty-five percent from three. Yep. I mean, they just the lack of effort is what's frustrating for me because this is a team that should be on like some sort of revenge tour. Like that's that's what we should be talking about right now. We should be talking about how the Boston Celtics beat the 76ers without Embiid by by twenty-five and how they're coming for everything. But instead, we got to sit here and talk about how how they aren't playing defense. Yeah. Back to the Jalen Brown thing, real quick. Like. The part that infuriates me the most is, like, if your star player who's your number two has is averaging more turnovers than assists, that's, that's a major issue. problem for me. Yeah, I agree. That is an issue. Um, and you're right. He doesn't he, he doesn't play make very well, and that's why he's a two and not a one. You know who he is? He's Donovan Mitchell. Because Donovan Mitchell, does, he doesn't pass the ball either. Mitchell does when other guys are shooting well. When they're not and he knows it, he's... He's Allen Iverson. He's like, it's it's my <laughs> ball and nobody else is shooting. But like the the two big lineup with Horford and Robert Williams can't work. Can't work. Yeah. It may have to. Well, when Embiid's not on the floor, it doesn't work. When Embiid is on the floor, especially if they're running Embiid and, and PJ Tucker, which Philadelphia does a decent amount, I think it's fine against that that lineup for the seventy sixers. But if Embiid isn't on the floor, I, I think you're right. And and like Atlanta exposed them last series him being Al Horford like yeah. when they were on the floor together anytime there was pick and roll or a screen late in the game it was always who the guy that Horford was on and they would yeah cook him like he's not yeah he struggles to defend the the screen and roll I, I mean like he's 36 years old like I get it I know but like if you're Joe Mazzula why don't you where's Grant Williams like yeah, he could. He's a guy I just, that I, I don't think, think you trust could... Grant Williams enough on offense. I I trust Al Horford way more offensively than I do Grant Williams. He's a forty percent three point shooter. That's what you need him to do. Like, yeah, I don't. I just I feel like the ball moves so... better with Horford on the floor. I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But like, we it's not the offense. Like you said, it's not the offense that's the issue. It's the defense. Yeah. And like, I mean, Grant Williams may foul out in twenty minutes, but like those six fouls that he'll give you. I mean, he's going to be physical for all 20 minutes that he's, he's on the floor. He's going to play defense. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, I'll be honest, I, I still think that Boston's going to win the series just because I think they're they're better than Philly. But this doesn't bode well for – like, can you imagine if, if 
if they play Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, Miami could do the exact same thing to them that that they did to the Bucks. The thing that got Miami past the Bucks is like they had a historic stretch of three point shooting that they, they hadn't did. had all season long. That's true. Like That's they were true. one of the worst. The worst. The worst. Like I couldn't remember if they were the worst or if like they were I knew they were bottom three, but they were the worst three point shooting team. And next thing you know, they all look like they looked like the Milwaukee Bucks. I know. Three, 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 three. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I agree. Anything you, else on, on that series? No. What do you think about Phoenix and Denver? Phoenix. I think that this is the Dallas Mavericks against the Miami Heat in the 2011 NBA Finals. When we look at Phoenix, they've really only got two. Yep. Because Chris yep. Paul's 38 and got, DeAndre Ayton is. I got two and three quarters. Yeah, seriously. And Kevin Durant was bad. Like, if there was any game that the Suns were going to steal on the road, it was last night, and Kevin Durant shoots 2 of 12 from 3 and and, and 10 of 27 from the field as a whole. But I I think that Phoenix's biggest problem, they don't shoot and make enough threes. Yep. They take the least amount of any team in the playoffs. They they take less than Miami, even though they shoot it better from 3 than Miami does. And when you're playing against a team like Denver, where everybody can shoot— and they have the best center in the league. Yes, I, I, I said that, and I stand by it. Disagree, but go on. When, when they have guys like that, I mean, we saw it in game one. They made, oh, how many more threes did they make? They made several more threes, and that ultimately was the biggest difference. And, look, let's be honest. like This Phoenix roster is extremely flawed outside of Booker and Durant. And the three-point shot covers a multitude of sins. Say it all the time. 16-7. to seven. Yeah. And... The three-point shot, like I said, covers a multitude of sins. And if you don't have that to cover all the deficiencies of this roster, you're not going to be the team as good as Denver. Like we were just talking about with Philly and Boston last night. Like, Boston shot 59% the first half. They were shooting, like, 74. They only led by three. And Philly, you know, shoot seven more threes despite being out-rebounded by 10 and having 17 assists to their 45 made baskets. Um, and giving up sixty six points in the paint, they still won because the three the three point. That's why that's why Golden State can turn the ball over twenty times and and, and still win. Yeah, because they make a whole bunch of threes. So like with Phoenix, I thought last night Kevin Durant easily had his worst game as a Phoenix Sun. Oh yes, not even just from like a shooting standpoint, but like from the standpoint of his shot selection. Yeah, this season. He had, and this is even with Brooklyn, he only attempted 10 or more threes in three games. Jeez. I didn't know that. That's wild. He had a three for 12 game with the Nets and a six for 10 game with Phoenix and a five for 10 game with Brooklyn. Jeez. Those are his only games that this season where he had ten or more, now, and those are games where he's feeling it and he's shooting it well. Yes. Meanwhile, and, he's he's two of twelve last night. Uh huh. And I'm trying to see how many games he had eight or more because I think that's a better number. Can I can can I get a takeoff that's a little out there? Yeah, go for it. I think Chris Paul getting hurt might be the best thing for Phoenix. Worst thing for me. I think with can like I think campaign is a better offensive player right now. Than Chris Paul is, and I think having the threat of another guy who can actually make a shot from outside of 15 feet 
It's going to be really good for their spacing. I don't know if I fully believe this or not. I just think it's kind of fun. I think it's going to be really good for their spacing. Just having more shooting on the floor. I want to see him play um, Terrence Ross as well. That's another guy who can shoot, another guy who can space the floor. Yeah. Because they they, they, they have to do those things mm-hmm. if they're going to have a chance to beat Denver. On the Durant side, eight or more three-point attempts in just five games this season. Jeez. So, like, he did a lot of settling last night, and I didn't agree with it because look at his game one against Denver. He was in the mid-range. He was attacking the basket because they don't have a rim protector. Like, Jokic doesn't get blocked, so he can't get off the ground. Yeah. Like, no offense to Jokic, but, like, oh, you're right. Yeah. he scores 29 points on and he only takes two, three threes, and he goes one for three, but 12 and 19 from the floor. Last night, two for 12 on threes, so you're looking at eight of 15 on twos. So, like, even even in that regard, he wasn't great. And like you said, I think they've got to figure out a way to get Terrence Ross on the floor. Landry Shamit even, like, he's a respectable three-point shooter. Yeah. And I think the Paul injury is worse for them than anything else because that – Injury removes DeAndre Ayton, and you saw it in the fourth quarter when Chris Paul wasn't out there and turned into ISO ball with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. There was no movement. There was no screen action. There was no involvement of DeAndre Ayton. He just stood stood on the sideline underneath the basket, tried to go in for an offensive rebound putback, and the only time he got a shot attempt in the fourth quarter, that was on a dribble drive where you kick it out to Josh Okogie. Okogie drives to the basket, and uh, Jokic comes out to – try and challenge your side it's a bounce pass underneath and he dunks that was the only time yeah that was the only time Aiton got a shot in the and fourth he, quarter he was seven of ten from the field 14 points i mean he he didn't he didn't have a bad night last night no i didn't way. think in, in terms of the opportunities given to him i thought he played well i thought he i mean he's the like monty williams said before the game was like he had two shots in the second half yeah that's an issue that's a huge issue like i understand devin booker had it going but like you can't tell me that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton can't execute a pick and roll like Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton? They should be able to. That's the thing. And you you even heard Jokic before this year. Somebody asked him, how do you plan on guarding the Phoenix Suns pick and roll? His response was, pray. And look, as great as Chris Paul is, the pick and roll maestro, the point god, whatever you want to call him, as great as he is, you can't tell me that running that screen and roll with a guy like Devin Booker or Kevin Durant wouldn't be better because those are just better offensive players than Chris Paul. I think I think it's a little easier with Booker than Durant because I don't. I, Durant's got the little hiccup in his in his um in his uh, in his wagon now. He's got a little hitch because yeah. of the Achilles, so he's not nearly as explosive. But I think it's a little easier with Booker. I think it can it should work with campaign. I was like, why is Damian Lee getting twenty six minutes last night? That's like, a great question. That's like, a great he, question. He, he didn't make a shot. Like he didn't. And he played almost the entire fourth quarter. I'm like, Torrey Craig was huge for you in that first series against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. 11 minutes? I, know. I mean, Monty, did he sleep with your wife between the end of last <laughs> series and the start of this one? Like, dude went from starting and playing 20, 25 minutes plus. Shooting the ball really well, to which they need right now. 11. I know. I'm with you. I agree. But, okay, we've been bagging on the Suns enough. Can we talk about how great Jokic was for, like, two minutes? Because he was awesome. Like I was he telling you. He kept them in it th- through the first three quarters. He was the only offense that the Nuggets had. Well, like I was telling you, I was like, you watch him and you're like, how is this guy so good? Like, he's <laughs> uncoordinated as all get out. And, like, he's just so goofy. Yeah. 
He's like he clunky. Is. He's not smooth. It's it's just all weird. Like because it's like it's odd moves that you normally don't see. So it's like he's so oh you, you know who he is. He is a modern version of Tim Duncan. Yeah, but Tim is Mister Fundamental though. Yeah, but just I feel like the 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 moves are really similar. It's a lot of just like short, quick movements, yeah. taking shots. You know, five to ten feet away from the basket. Obviously, you know. Tim Duncan wasn't stepping out beyond the three-point line, and he doesn't pass the ball like Jokic does. But in terms of, like, around the basket, I think they're really similar. Should they be the favorite to win the finals? Uh, they were my favorite to win the West. They're, they're they're who I picked. As of right now, I don't think anybody looks better than they do. They've taken their game to another level in the playoffs. They have, and Jamal Murray d- didn't play well last night. Aaron Gordon's been awesome. Um, Bruce Brown, one of my favorite one of my favorite role players in the league, has been great. The Christian Braun. Okay, I need somebody to answer this. Is it Christian Braun or Christian Brown? Because when you watch the broadcast, Brown. it is okay. Because I was watching last night, and um, the play-by-play guy was Zero. saying Brown, mm-hmm. and Anthony, uh, the the color guy, he he was saying Braun, and I was like, which one is it? It's Brown. Okay, that's what I thought. I love him. But the reason why I ask is Denver the favorite because like if you look at the odds on like sports books. It's not even close. Like, it's Boston plus 200. Sheesh. Golden State plus 450. And then Denver at plus 460. Golden State's going to be really tough for Denver, I think. But either way. Oh. You think they get past L.A.? I do. I think I think they win in seven. I think that... Here, we, we, we can move on to that now. I think that the Warriors have the best player in the series in Steph Curry. Um, We've talked about... I don't. ...what the three-point shot does. And... Look, when we look at the Lakers, they're very old school. They're very similar to Phoenix, or not even Phoenix, but they're very similar to Miami in New York in this idea of they want to get two feet in the paint, they want to get downhill, they want to they want to attack the basket. That's what they want to do. And I just don't think they're going to make enough threes to beat Golden State. And I don't think they have anyone who can guard Steph. Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, I guess. But here's here's the X factor. How think- does Andrew Wiggins play? Because he's played seven games now, he's got seven games under his belt. Is he going to be? Is he going to be able to find a rhythm on offense? He looked good in the first five. He did. The last two games is when he didn't look great. Yeah. So we'll, I, I like. I'm taking Golden State. I've got LA in seven here. You, you think they can go on the road to the Chase Center and win? And here's the other thing. I think that in order for LA to win this series, look, LeBron is he's still LeBron. Let me say that first. But he's not who he was. Yep. Okay, he's not scoring 35. He's not going for 30, 10, and 8 every night out like he used to. Correct. Okay, he's like, you know, 20 and you know twenty and 10. He had, he had the 20 and 20 game. He is not foot on the gas for 40 minutes. He is much more of picking his spots of yep. when he needs to get involved. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you trust Anthony Davis? Against this Warriors team, yes, to be aggressive enough to to win the series because yes, I don't. I do. Do you really? I mean, no offense. To, I think Kevon Looney's really good. Oh yeah, I like, guy. That's the very thing, though. Tough, but like the mismatch is too big. You okay? That's what that's what too everybody much of says. A mismatch. Everybody says that the matchup is too big. But I I've watched Anthony Davis have games where he's super aggressive. And he scores 35 points, and he pulls down you know, 12 rebounds, and he looks like one of the five best players in the league. And then he'll turn around the next night, and he'll take 
12 shots. And that's the thing. I just don't know if he's going to be aggressive enough and look for his shot enough in order for them to win. You look back, I mean, they beat Golden State without LeBron by 13. He had 12 points and 12 rebounds. It's a regular season. He took, I understand, but like for context purposes, like he took five shots and they won. They won by six and he had 13 and 16. Like the recipe for them to be Golden State is there because of Anthony Davis, because of Austin Reeves, because of D'Angelo Russell. I do like Reeves. Like, Rui's th- been bad. Hachimura, they need him to come. Rui's been really him. good, but like they need they need one of Schroeder or Russell to get going offensively to have to beat him in seven. And I think, like, I don't know. I go back and forth on this series all the time. Like LeBron is LeBron really is the X factor when it's all said and done to me. Okay. Like, how healthy is he? Like, is yeah. does the layoff a little bit? Does, does it allow him to be fresh and ready to go and look good again, or is he going to be the same guy that he was at the end of that Memphis series where he was he, he looked old and he looked hurt? Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a great series. I know we were talking about it beforehand. Um, you know, I got to be up. Really early in the morning. That's not going to stop me from staying up to watch these games. No yeah, way. never will. Never will. <laughs> so, anytime you get to watch greatness, I think you have to. Oh, without a doubt. And this is going to be the last time I think we get LeBron and Steph, where they're both, you know, the number one and number two options on their teams. Maybe. I mean, just depends on LeBron. I think he'll be thirty-nine next year. Like, uh, I, I agree with Draymond after the game seven win. Like he was, he brought up the point that's like everyone wants to talk about, you know, what's next. Like, who's the next great team? Like, who's the next Warriors? And like, people forget to appreciate the greatness that's in front of you. Yeah. So that's what that's just what I'm going to do this year. That's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm so excited to talk about it. It's oh, it's going to be great. But call it now. Who who comes out of the West? Who comes out of the East? I think the NBA has an agenda. And I've said this from the start of the playoffs. You think it's scripted? <laughs> yes. I think they have an agenda for Jokic vs. Embiid. I hope it is. That'd be so, so that, great. That is my prediction. And I've got Philly and six, if that's the case. Really? The defensive, the 76ers of, of Embiid being able to just physically outwork Jokic is, will be too much. I mean, you saw it in the regular season when they matched up that one time. It was just, yeah, it was a murder it was. scene out there. And then, and then Embiid ducked him later in the year. Yeah, I, I remember. I think Ma- <laughs> and, and I think Maxi can. I think Maxi's Maxie, so good. I think I Maxi like can game. contain Jamal Murray. I mean, it's going to come down to Tobias Harris versus um, Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. Aaron Gordon's been so good. He's been just through the entire playoffs. Um, yeah, we'll see. I like I like Denver, and I I think I think they're going to play Boston. I think Boston will figure it out, and they'll be fine. We'll I see. Mean, and I like Boston too. I just I I just like to be a contrarian, as you could probably notice. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And then uh, give me a uh, Boston in six. If 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 they play Denver, whomever comes out of the East wins in six, in my opinion. We'll see. Although um, I just sat here and just... if it, if if it's New York, if it's New York or Miami, then you know. <laughs> I still think it'll be six. 
Yeah. Okay. We'll see. It'll be good. But thanks so much for for taking the time. Anytime, I know man. You you, you got to go and run a show. I do. So that's Eddie Garrison, one hundred seven five the fan, ninety three five the fan here in Indy. What's your Twitter? At Eddie Garrison underscore. So that's E double D I E G A R R I S O N underscore. Okay. Sweet. That's Eddie Garrison, one seven five the fan. We always love it whenever he comes on. I'll be back again with another podcast on Thursday. I'll talk to you all then.